Welcome to the Answers from Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalone. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Today's guest on the Answers from Leadership podcast is David Mike. David is a Christ follower, husband, author, and blogger in Omaha, Nebraska. David is passionate about sharing the message that we do not have to be defined by our past and that God can use our kind of mess for good. David recently released his first book, Dishonor, in which he shares his story. I'm excited to talk with David about his story and have him on the show. David, what else would you like listeners to know about you? Um, just kind of what I've got going on in my life. Uh, just I am a husband, obviously, uh, to a beautiful woman named Lindsay, and she's been uh, uh, instrumental in in shaping the man that I am um, today. So that's that's just been awesome for me. And then I'm a father. I've got three daughters. Uh, I'm a dad with three daughters, so that's says a lot in itself. Um, I've got a a junior. Um, I've got a uh, an eighth grader, and then I have a, a kindergartner. So there's a span there. Um, also a cosmetology instructor for over 20 years, and I'm also uh, on the church leadership team. Nice. When you first said that you had a kindergartner as well, I was like, holy cow, that's a big, big gap in the kids' ages. Um, yes. <laughs> so how would you define leadership? Um, there's a lot of, you know, I've read up a lot on leadership, uh, being in the position I'm in. I've, I want to be a, the type of leader that um, that my students would look up to. Um, you know, I found that there are different types of leaders, uh, and, you know, like, uh, I, I listened to Dave Ramsey, Entree Leadership, and, and several other, um, leadership, um, podcasts, and, and I've read a lot of books, but, um, uh, I think that I would describe leadership as relational. Um, I think that when you develop a relationship with someone to the point where they're willing to follow you and do what you say, uh, because of the relationship you've built with them, um, that, that's a, that's a great form of leadership sort of uh, being a servant, you know, and doing things for people to show that you care, uh, to show that you are, are interested in them as a person, as well as an employee or a student. Um, I also think that a great leader communicates well, um, keeping everyone informed at all times of what's going on with their business or just the, the relationship that you guys have together and not afraid of announcing or making mistakes, you know, not, not that hopefully you're making mistakes all the time, but, you know, things that you can learn from. Um this would be opposed to positional leadership where uh, somebody gets assigned a position and then everybody has to follow them because they have a title or a name. And, and that's probably not the best form of leadership. So I'd say just having a relationship with somebody is probably key. Yeah, I love the, the whole aspect of relational leadership. It's hard to follow somebody when you don't trust them and you don't have a good relationship. Right. For relational leadership, how do you develop those relationships? Well, being a parent has really helped me out. Um, like I said, in my situation, I'm a cosmetology instructor, so I've I've dealt working with, you know, uh, students uh, twenty age twenty eighteen to you know we've had some more mature students, but I'd say the average age is about twenty twenty one. Um, and in the beginning, I came from a military background, so it was kind of like do what I say or the highway. You know, it's it's it was it didn't really work. So I've had to. You know, read up. And I'll, another thing that I think has helped me quite a bit is marriage books. Um, because of the nature of what I do, I, I relate with, I, I work with women a lot. So I had to kind of figure out how can a man lead women in this capacity. And so I was able to listen to, um, you know, different 
styles of leadership uh, in relation to women and, and just understanding um, some things like women don't want men to fix their problems. They just want to be able to be heard or to have their feelings validated. Now, does this mean that I do this at home all the time? Absolutely not. I am a man, so I make mistakes all the time, which you probably won't hear a lot of men say. But, um, you know, so I would say, you know, reading and things outside of the box, not just um, leadership books, but, you know, marriage books and relationship books um, and podcasts are awesome because you can, that's something you can take on the go while you're driving or, you know, working sometimes. You mentioned that you come from a military background. And I know your book, Dishonored, talks a little bit about your time in the Army. What did you do in the Army? My job, uh, I was a cavalry scout or an armored reconnaissance specialist. And so what I did in the Army was um, I was responsible for being the eyes and ears of the commander during a battlefield scenario. I, I never actually went to battle, just mostly training. And um, we also would engage the enemy in the field and track and report their activity as well as um, direct the employment of weapon systems to the location. So we would call for um, artillery fire or mortar fire in order to remove the enemy from a position. But um, because I was in the Army for a very short period of time before the information that led up to the book, um, I, I only did training, so I, I never actually was able to perform my job in the capacity as some of these uh, great soldiers that have gone over to um, you know some of these conflicts in, the, in these previous years. You said something happened, and you were only in the Army for a very short time. In your book, you talk about winding up in Fort Levensworth. Um, do you mind sharing what happened? Yeah, it was about 18 months into uh, my uh, first tour of duty. Uh, I had a moment of, of sheer stupidity and started taking drugs. Uh, the choices that I made led to um, a more blown-up drug addiction and to, to the point where I started actually selling drugs. Um, I ended up getting caught by the um, criminal investigation division of the army and arrested. And then after I was arrested, I ran away for six months. So during that six month period, I sold drugs to stay alive and just kind of, you know, you know, pay my way through life. Uh, and it was just a terrible, terrible situation for me. Um, I kept getting deeper and deeper into the drug use and addiction. Um, eventually, I was captured again and uh, got court martialed. I got off. I was sentenced to five years in Fort Leavenworth and a re reduction of all my uh, rank. Uh, and I also got a dishonorable discharge from the Army. Um, ended up serving three years in Fort Leavenworth and then uh, paroled out and uh, moved to Omaha, Nebraska, where my parents lived after that. That's that's the short story. Yeah, that sounds sounds like quite the story. Um, yes. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of leaders don't face quite those type of challenges, but we, we all face a struggle or, you know, addictions. You know, there are things that we just don't do right as leaders. And thankfully, a lot of us don't have to go through what you went through. But can you share your experience in the disciplinary barracks? Did you learn anything at this time? Well, the disciplinary barracks is, a, is just a military prison. And so um, I would say that my experience there was very stressful. It was very lonely. It was a very crazy scenario. I was surrounded by a lot of different types of personality extremes, um, you know, more so than you would find in a work environment or just, you know, in life that there was just a lot of people there that had done some pretty crazy stuff to get there. And so I had to, you know, process that and, and, and live with these people, myself being one of them, obviously I'm not uh, separating myself from, from a, the, my criminal background, but, um, the other thing is that I had a lot of time, you know, I was there for three years, I had a lot of time to process 
uh, the things in my head. And sometimes that was really hard to deal with just the guilt, the shame, um, of having dishonored my, myself, my family, you know, my God, the army, and just, you know, just a lot of guilt and shame, uh, during the first couple of years of my confinement. And I did learn that there are consequences for my actions and that there was no undoing what had happened. And I had to basically, uh, pay the penalty for my, for my crime as far as the army was concerned and the government was concerned. All right. So you, know, you, you did something wrong. You paid your time. How did that impact your life? Uh, coming out of prison, I am, was labeled a convicted felon. Um, and that's something I had to deal with in the, uh, in the working world and, and all that. Uh, I had to list that on applications. Um, and so as far as that becoming a permanent part of my life, you know, it's always there and, and it kind of follows me around from time to time. I've opened that up quite a bit with uh, me releasing this book. Um, I was in the local newspaper. I've been on a radio show and I've been doing, you know, podcast interviews. And so I'm actually just sharing sharing my story. Um, but the cool thing was that what changed in my life was that God made himself present in, in my life on several occasions while I was in prison. Um, I had a couple scenarios where I, clearly God showed up and said, you know, I'm here and I want you to know what's going on. Um, there was a instance, and I've mentioned this on a few podcasts, where I actually relapsed in prison um, and I took drugs. And at that exact same night when I got back to my room, I had a letter from my father that he had written to my parole board to help me um, get uh, parole. And he stated that he would stake his job, his reputation and his life on the fact that I would never do anything like I had done to get into prison. It was the exact same day that I had relapsed. So at that moment, I realized I am making decisions that are affecting other people besides myself. And that that basically stopped uh, me from ever doing drugs again. And the other thing was that I was listening to a radio broadcast and I heard a guy named Bob George speaking about grace and forgiveness. And I was just blown away by what he was saying because I had heard those terms before, but never in the capacity of the way he was explaining it. And I realized that, um, you know, God sent Jesus to die for my sins and that he took them all away. Everything I'd ever done was removed from me. And I was like, just like a new person. And so I didn't have to worry about um, the guilt and shame of my past anymore. I, I could rest in the fact that I was, you know, God's son and that I am redeemed and I am washed. All my sins are washed away. It was just, that was life changing for me. Your story about getting that letter from your dad on the same day that you relapsed, that had to, you know, we, we know that, you know, Christ forgives us and we can move on from there. But just seeing that letter the same day, that had to have been crushing. Yeah, I, I, I lost it. It was pretty bad. Was that something that helped you continue to stay sober and clean or was there more to the story? There's a lot more to the story, but that was definitely the turning point where I decided that I would no longer do that again. I could not do that again because had my dad actually had to put that on the line, it would have been devastating for him. Right. How, how has your life changed since meeting Christ? Well, actually, I was raised a Christian uh, through my entire life. My dad was well active in the church and, uh, you know, we went to church like three, four times a week growing up. So I had a relationship with God um, through my childhood, I just think I was one of those kids that made a bad choice and just fell off the path so far that I thought I would never come back. Um, but reconnecting with God in this capacity and learning about grace and forgiveness in the, in the way that I did helped me, um, so much because I struggled all my life feeling like God was going to zap me. You know, I wasn't good enough and that I could never get right with God. So, uh, I was just really excited to, uh, to learn about 
the fact that he forgave me and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, it seems like a lot of times with our Christian walk that we can struggle with with that idea that God's going to zap us at any time. I know if there's plenty of times where I've been like, oh man, I screwed up and I'm going to get it now. Have you used that grace and forgiveness that Christ has shown you in your leadership? Yes. Uh, one of the churches, or I go, I go to a church now that um, we believe that what matters most is people finding Jesus. And the you know, way that people find Jesus is through living a life that um, of loving, letting God love them through you. So if I treat people with love and respect and, and, you know, it's different because not everybody does that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people in leadership who are, like I mentioned before, more of a positional leader than a relational leader. So I just want people to know that I care. And so, you know, that does turn heads and people are like, why, you know, why are you different? You know, what's, what's different about you? And so I try, um, to, to live my life in a way that, I treat people the way that God would want me to, and and that is attractive to them. Um, am I perfect? Heck, no. <laughs> I would, do I make mistakes? Do I get frustrated? You know, yeah, all the time. But uh, you know, we're forgiven. So I love that. And I've got two questions left for you, David. What do you wish you had known about life and leadership when you were in your twenties? I wish I had found someone that I respected enough to share what was going on in my mind at that time in my life. Um, I also wish that I knew that my choices affected others and not just myself because that, you know, could have maybe swayed my decision-making process. Uh, I, you know, who's to say, cause I can't go back in time, but I will say that I couldn't do what I'm doing now if I hadn't gone through this. Um, and would I want to do it over again? Heck no, definitely not. But it, it has shaped the person that I am and it has opened opportunities for me to be able to share Christ in a way that I probably wouldn't have. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for the listeners? Yes. One thing, what's a couple things I'd like to say? You do not have to be defined by your past. You know, the guilt and shame from your past can be taken away. God can redeem any situation, no matter how deep, dark, or dirty it is. Uh, no matter what you're feeling, how far gone you think you are, God cares and He wants you to feel like you can come to Him. And the only other thing I would say is, uh, I, I just want to plug my book, obviously. Uh, please read this honor and share it with anyone who needs to hear the message of. God's grace and forgiveness. I'm not trying to, um, you know, sell the book, but just get into the hands of people who struggle from the shame and guilt of, from their past. Great words, David. I'll make sure to have Dishonor linked up in the show notes for this episode. And where can listeners connect with you online? My website is dilemmamike.com. It's one L and two M's in the word dilemma. Um, and then almost all my social media is Dilemma Mike. Thanks for joining us for today's Answers from Leadership episode with David Mike. His story was especially aspiring in that we can realize our past mistakes won't hold us back forever. We can move forward knowing who and whose we are. When we do, nothing will stand in our way. As always, you can find today's show notes at jmlalonde.com slash 024. There you'll find excerpts from our interview, links to David Mike online, and where to buy his book. Until next time, continue to lead well.